Welcome to Adventures with My 40s. I'm Courtney Novak, a 41-year-old woman trying to figure out how to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers. Welcome to the first proper episode of my new show. I am starting this recording at bedtime, which is suboptimal, but I have been trying to do this for like two weeks and it's finally like, I just have to do it. Um, I told my kids I was skipping bedtime um, so that I could record a podcast episode and they were both immediately whiny. I tell them a bedtime story pretty much every night when I'm home and I rarely am not home. And it's it's called the cloud story, and it's sort of a meditation. And they, I tell the story where the kids get up on a magical cloud, and they each get to pick a place that we go. And um, lately, they always want to go to Mama Land, which is really sweet. Um, but you know, but they're very exasperated that I was skipping it tonight, and will like flummox, like, why would you need to podcast? And Nathan, my husband, just was like because she wants to. And so here I am doing this, um, you know, for my mental health or my wellness and my sanity, because this is something I want to do. I had the idea for this podcast seriously like a year ago, and I actually even recorded episodes, I think four episodes last fall. And then I freaked out and I was told myself I didn't have time to start a podcast that, um, between my two kids, Julian was in preschool, Pippa first grade, and volunteering at both their schools, and I'm writing a fantasy novel. It's like between those two things and then just taking care of myself and exercising, I just didn't have the time for a podcast. Well, now it's July 10th, 2020, and I have even less time, but I can't not do this anymore. I've got to do this. It's just like um, the call to do it is just so strong, so here I am. And for this first episode, I thought I'd talk about my anxiety during the pandemic. Um, A year ago, if you had asked me about this podcast idea I had, I would have told you, oh, I'm going to talk about being a woman in my 40s and talking about motherhood and fulfillment and, um, you know, trying to figure out when I'm in perimenopause, you know, the road to menopause and the transition to that new stage of life. Um. That was a that that is still really big on my mind because, um, you know, I was blindsided by postpartum depression, so I don't want to be blindsided by menopause, and I want to experience perimenopause intentionally and consciously, and doing the things that help me feel like my best self, um, and I can't do that if I don't actually like intentionally engage in the journey, so. You know, I I would have probably come up with dozens of ideas of episodes, and talking about anxiety would not have been high on the list. I talked about anxiety plenty in my last podcast, Adventures of Postpartum Depression, and in my memoir, uh, same name, but, and it just sort of seems like, you know, how many times are you going to kick the dead horse? But here I am in the middle of a pandemic, and oh my goodness, all the anxiety has come back. I started the pandemic thinking, um, I've got this, I've got this, like I can do this pandemic. I did postpartum depression. When I had postpartum depression, that was in 2013 after the birth of my daughter Pippa. If you hear screaming right now, that's my second born Julian losing his shit over bedtime. 
okay, you know what? Just, it's the ambiance. <laughs> Um, I've, I've gotten used to the fact that I'm just never going to have this house to myself. It feels like, again, I know that's not true. But so that since mid-March, my husband's been working from home and he is still working from home. He actually got permission to go to the office on Monday to pick up some things for like filing taxes. And um, both kids have been home almost nonstop. Pippa actually just finished her second week of camp and now she's off for two weeks and then the kids are going to two weeks of gymnastics camp so that's fabulous so in two weeks I'll have a house with just the husband which will be a vast improvement over all four of us in the house at the same time um, and when this started in mid-march it seemed like a three-week thing like no big deal like what what's you know what's everyone so upset about like okay so they're missing two weeks of school and then there's one week of spring vacation and then we go back who cares and now it's July and we're hearing talk chatter about how in August when we're supposed to go back to school for a hybrid model we might not even go back it might be distance learning so you know here I am um, anyway I ramble a lot if you're new to my if you did not listen to my first show you might be new to this but I like to ramble but anyway, I had postpartum depression 2013, which involved anxiety, depression, and OCD. I'm just giving you the Cliff Notes version here, folks. And um, I worked with a cognitive behavioral therapist, and I really felt like I became the master of my anxiety. And I learned all these techniques that not only helped me with anxiety, but that just eliminated my anxiety. So, and I've done a lot of work since then on my mental health. I have a new therapist. Um, I journal almost daily. I read a lot of books in the self-help genre, books like, and for me, self-help genres, spirituality, psychology, parenting, anything that helps me become like a better person to, or, or work on things that I think need work. I mean, I'm already good enough, but I like to be, you know, fully realized. So, which is a life lifetime's worth of work. Um, but I just felt like I've got this mindset where I have a really good attitude towards setbacks and it seemed like distance learning and the pandemic back in mid-March was just a setback and obstacle and um, yay the obstacle is the way I will you know I'll just go with the flow and now it's July 10th and I am back on Zoloft for the first time in a couple of years and I've had to quadruple the nighttime sleep aid I was taking. So at the start of the pandemic, I was taking um, mirtazapine, which is also known as Remeron. I, f I always forget which one's the generic, just who cares. And I was taking a really small dose, uh, 7.5 milligrams. My old psychiatrist used to joke that I was basically sniffing the bottle, but it seemed to have some sort of an effect on me. And I had been weaning down from a slightly larger dose of 15 milligrams that I've been taking. I've been taking, so I started taking Zoloft and Mirtazepam when I had postpartum depression in 2013. And um, I I was off them when I was pregnant with my second child and then went right back on them. And I've been weaned off the Zoloft, but not the Mirtazepam. I can never quite fully get off it. And I would get off it. And I'd be fine for like a week or two, and then my insomnia would come back. And I always felt like there might be some deeper-seated anxiety, 
that I hadn't dealt with, that I hadn't addressed. But then I would get back on the mirtazapine and just, you know, kind of not want to deal with it. I just wasn't ready. And so that's where I was at in mid-March. I'd actually been weaning off mirtazapine again because I discovered in February of, of this year that I have something called the MTHFR genetic mutation. Uh, my doctor told me you can call it the motherfucker mutation. And the version I have means my brain is not very good at processing vitamin B. So pretty much all my life I've had a vitamin B deficiency. Great. Which can cause depression, anxiety, insomnia, all the things I suffer from. So I started taking um, a big, basically I just have to take mega crazy amounts of vitamin B. Like I think it's something ridiculous, like 30,000% higher than what like like what the average person needs on a day. And that just like gives my brain enough, like by like bombarding my brain with vitamin B, which just reminded me I have to take my vitamin B right now. Um, by giving it like, just like vitamin B attack, it's able to at least grab on enough. So since I started having the vitamin B, my psychiatrist and I talked about like, oh, maybe I just don't even need the mirtazapine anymore. I just need the vitamin B. And I was sleeping noticeably better in February once I had the vitamin B in my system. So mid-March comes and I'm on 7.5 milligrams of mirtazapine and me and my psychiatrist decide, well, even though I was ready to wean off that, I'd better stay on it during the pandemic because it just wasn't the best time. So I thought like, well, with the 7.5 milligrams of mirtazapine and the extra vitamin B, I'm all set. And I remember having a phone call with uh, one of my cousins and she was like, she was asking me, so what sort of anxiety are you experiencing with the pandemic? And I said, oh, I'm not having anxiety. And I really, and I don't think I was at the time, but I also at the time thought, and I'm not going to have anxiety because I have a great mindset. And I also have self-care and I have a great self-care routine. And I thought if I stuck, stick to that routine, if I journal, if I take my walks, if I meditate, if I, um, you know, do, I have a whole long list. If I do, I do like Duolingo to learn French. If I do all the little things that I think of as like my self-care, oh, if I stretch, I stretch every day, I do this 22-minute program. If I do all my self-care I'm go and I have my healthy mindset, I'm going to be great. Like, what's the big deal? Of course, now I've quadrupled the mirtazapine and I'm back on 100 milligrams of Zoloft. I'm not... Well, I was about to say I'm not anxious the way I was when I had postpartum depression, but I think in the final days before I went back on Zoloft, I actually, I actually was. Um, the anxiety just creeped up during the past few months, and it kind of, I can look back now, you know, hindsight's 2020, and I can see how it was ticking up bit by bit, and every little bit was so tiny, it wasn't really worth noticing, and it wasn't really like disturbing but I would have bad nights of sleep but I could write them off and I would have you know I, I wasn't even noticing the warning signs I can look back now and see the warning signs of the anxiety but it was just creeping up and I'm still sort of wrapping my mind all around this but I think like we're all just going through such a huge experience um well, not everyone in the country, but 
here I'm, I'm in Pasadena, California, and I mean, school's been canceled, and we're possibly going to continue to be canceled, and we're wearing face masks when we go places in public, and a lot of places that we would usually go to are not available to us. Like, um, my son Julian is obsessed with animals, and he asks me every day, when is the zoo going to open? There's a farm we we go to with all the farm animals. When's the farm going to open? The aquarium opened for a little bit, and now the indoor part, which is most of the aquarium, the fish, <laughs> is closed. So you could go, and I'm like, well, it's almost an hour drive. I'm not driving an hour to, you know, see 15% of the aquarium. So, and then have my son crying that he can't see the turtles and fish and otters. So most, life is really restricted right now. And it's just... It's been a lot to process. My inbox is filled with like, you know, everyone is, all, all these emails come in where people are like, uh, like not people, but like companies like marketing are like trying to prey on my fear. Um, the headlines of the news. Oh my gosh. Social media. I try, I'm trying to like just stay off Facebook as much as possible because someone's always posting a new headline and, um, I mean, just going to the supermarket, everyone's wearing the masks and there's signs everywhere. It's just the atmosphere is permeated with strangeness and with fear. And you know, I've been slowly reading this book called Sapiens. Um, oh my gosh, I forget the, the author's full name. And it's a really interesting read. And he talks about how we're biologically, like evolutionary, we're the same as we were when we were cavemen that agriculture only started like 10,000 years ago. <laughs> so isn't that kind of like boggling when you think about like 11, 12,000 years ago, people were cavemen. They, like it's just changed so fast. And our bodies have not kept up with how much we've changed culturally and, you know, linguistically and just like technologically. Um, you know, we, we have iPhones. We have laptops, we have satellite TV, and yet we also have the bodies of like our caveman ancestors of 20,000 years ago. So, you know, I think about how this this world we're living in is just so like our bodies, our, our biology is just not prepared for it. Like we're supposed to be connected. We're a social species. I'm an introvert. Like I love my alone time and I'm actually sort of on... Um, overload because I'm not having enough alone time because my, you know, even when people in my house are not with me, their noises are they're, they're, like, it's just really hard. I, I am getting some alone time, but it's hard. And so I am an introvert, but I'm also a human and I do like to see people and we're isolated and our caveman ancestors, like we have always been a social species and we were like biologically primed to make connections because when the winter went too long, and we were running out of food, you did not want to be like, if there's like 20 people living in the cave, you did not want to be person number 20 because that was the person who got like kicked out and sent into the blizzard. So, you know, it, it's in our biology to be connected and be around people. And like, this has been months where I'm hardly seeing anyone. And it's so exciting to be like on a walk and to randomly run into one of my friends and be allowed to talk for 10 minutes. It's just all those things that I took for granted, th those are gone. And then we're not supposed, like, I mean, our caveman ancestors, um, 
they didn't deal with viruses. This, this is sort of a new thing of living in, you know, close proximity to each other and cities. And it's just, this is scary. And our, our brains are meant to, you know, we have these great brains that are always thinking and reminding us like, hey, the saber-toothed tiger comes over to this river at sunset. Don't go to that fucking river at sunset. And that is like a really biologically a great instinct to have in you because that's why the species has survived. But, we, you know, we go to fear and then everything is sort of at saber-toothed tiger levels. And but a saber-toothed tiger, it's like, it's a very brief encounter. But we have been living in this situation for just months. It's like this slow motion natural, natural disaster. Anyway, all of this has been said and is out there on the internet. So I, I get now why my anxiety has been creeping up. It's just living with all of this uncertainty. I would like to get more comfortable with certainty. And that, and I think I can, but I also think that's probably a lot of work and not something that's going to be happening like tomorrow. It, because biologically, we are primed to, you know, stamp out uncertainty. Like, you know, the cavemen didn't go to bed and be like, well, shit, we don't know where the water is tomorrow. Like, no, they knew where the water was. They knew where they would get water. They knew where they were going to go hunting. They knew where they were going to, you know, what trees had fruit during the spring and what trees had, you know, nuts in the fall. Like, like we are biologically programmed to be averse to uncertainty. And I think it takes a lot of work to get comfortable with uncertainty. And, you know, maybe on the other side of this pandemic, I am going to be a lot better with uncertainty. But you know, like it's work right now. And yeah, so man, good times. So my sleep quality declined since mid-March and in bits and pieces. And I kept looking for other excuses to explain the insomnia other than anxiety. I've had insomnia. I mean, I had insomnia for like six weeks when I had my first round of postpartum depression and it was clearly caused by like a mix of hormones and anxiety um but I didn't think that the insomnia I was experiencing during the pandemic was related to anxiety I blamed it on sugar I blamed it on allergies I blamed it on like seriously if the weather changed and was like five degrees hotter I was like oh that's why I didn't sleep well um I blamed it on caffeine and then finally I was like maybe I'm anxious so my doctor told me I could go ahead and take 30 milligrams of mirtazapine, which I did, but I decided I had, so I, I have, I was taking 7.5 milligrams, but I had a prescription for 15 milligrams because sometimes when I'm premenstrual, I get insomnia. And my doctor was like, I want you to have a little bit of an extra reserve so you can take the 15 milligrams when you're a little stressed out or when you're premenstrual. So I had some extra, I had enough to take 30 milligrams in my surplus supply for like a few days. But I told, I, I just decided I had, I could only use up my surplus and then by the time I had used up my surplus, I had to be back on my 7.5 milligram dose. My psychiatrist did not tell me this. In fact, she told me don't rush back to the 7.5 milligrams. Everyone's anxious, everyone's struggling with their sleep. But I just created this like rule in my head. 
and it's something I'm working on, but I think I have a lot of ideas about self-worth tied up with success and some idea about needing to be taking as little medication as possible in order to be like successful. And um, that's something I just got to work on because if my brain needs the medication, I need to take it. You know, the analogies, you know, like people with diabetes take the insulin. Someone with high blood pressure takes that medicine. If my brain needs extra mirtazapine and Zoloft, then I need to take those. And I don't need to start beating myself up about being a failure because, because I'm not. That's just, but I can see that the beliefs are there. And actually just by seeing that I have these beliefs, that starts to dismantle the belief. So, you know, progress is being made. So I got back down to 7.5 milligrams. I felt like I was fine for a few nights. And then, oh my God, I was right back in insomnia land. So I ended up calling my psychiatrist again. And I also made an appointment with my therapist who by good luck happened to have an appointment the next morning. I took, I decided to take a break from therapy in May. Um, I, I, I'm not sure why. It, my intuition told me, go ahead and take a break. So I said, okay, I'm going to take a break. And my therapist was a little like, are you sure? It's a pandemic. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take a break from therapy. And so it was like a six-week break. Um, I think, and that was a red flag about my anxiety. Because it was really tough to do therapy in the house with the kids in another room being loud and fighting. And my therapist suggested, well, you know, some moms are going to the car so that they have their own separate space. And I just decided that was that was not going to work. And I didn't even think it through. And when I have anxiety, I just shoot down all the ideas of things that would make my life easier as like, like, I don't even think it through. I'm like, no, that won't work. Because my anxiety is making any little change seem like, you know, a mountain. Like it's not even a speed bump. Like my husband's home, he is like he's working, but the kids are great about letting me leave to take my walks or go to the grocery store or run to Target. So I can clearly go get in a parked car and drive like a block away and park under some shade and do therapy there. This is like not even a speed bump of an issue. But in my mind, when I was anxious, it felt like a freaking mountain. Like, no, that's just like, how could that even happen? That's not possible. So, but my therapist had an appointment available the next day. And my psychiatrist told me to go ahead and bump back up to the 30 milligrams from mirtazapine, which is like the quadruple dose of what I was taking mid-March. And I had a great session with my therapist and the extra mirtazapine worked for several days. And I had a phone appointment, a proper phone appointment with my psychiatrist a few days later and told her, I am great. This is fantastic. Thank you. I'll talk to you in two months. And then a few days later, it was back in insomnia. And... I just woke up after I had two nights in a row of just getting four hours of sleep and just like feeling like my body was racing and I could tell that I was feeling the anxiety during the day. Like at first it seemed like I wasn't super anxious during the daytime hours. It would just all come out in the darkness of 3 a.m. I always wake up to pee and it would just be like my brain would just start going and I wasn't even thinking that much. I was tired. I wasn't like sitting there, I'm not going to give you all the thoughts that you could think about like the pandemic and distance learning and all the uncertainty. It was just like this vague unease that would kind of keep churning and turn into more of a like, you know, just like, 
like anxious. And, and then I would get anxious about the fact that I was anxious. Then I would get anxious at the fact that I was anxious and that the fact that I was anxious was going to give me insomnia. And so it was, it was just like this churning feeling that would kind of like electrify my body. And then it continued during the day. And it was, um, it was like what I had when I, the worst of my postpartum depression. It's sort of like, it's, it reminds me of a couple, a year and a half ago, we were rear-ended on the freeway and we were in like really stop and go traffic. So it wasn't a big deal of an accident, but still I was sitting there in the passenger seat and suddenly another car comes screeching and slams into us and I scream and I have the adrenaline going for a few minutes and I do deep breathing and talk to the kids calmly and, um, and then I'm fine. It would feel like I would have that level of adrenaline going for my body for just hours in a row. And I was using all of my self-care with breathing and meditating. And I was doing all of the positive like self-talk that I know how to do. And, um, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And what's the odds of that? And you know, I was just doing everything I could. And it just felt like there was this physical thing happening to my body. And no matter what I did, I, I it was just, I just couldn't even, I could not slow it down. Um, it was kind of like trying to stop a river with a pool noodle. It just wasn't happening. So I woke up on a Monday morning and no, it was a Thursday. Who cares? <laughs> I woke up and decided, oh, holy shit, I, I need to go back on Zoloft. And I emailed my psychiatrist and she called later that day and I told her what was going on and my thoughts and she was like, yeah, I fully support you going back on Zoloft. And I told her about some resistance I had to going back on it. And she told me like, you know, you just, you don't even need, it's just a tool in your toolkit and you happen to need it right now. And like, who cares that you were off it and now you're going back on it. Like the, the point is you need it and your brain needs it. So like go easy on yourself. So looking back over the past few months of this anxiety ticking up, there are some red flags that I can see now. But it's just, it's so hard to call your doctor and be like, I have a tiny smidge of anxiety and I think I need to go on Zoloft. Because you don't go on Zoloft for a tiny smidge of anxiety. But these were the things that built up and got me to the point. There was, for several days, like for a whole week, I had just a really tight chest. And I blamed it on allergies, but I think it was sort of more of like an anxiety pressing against my chest. I was not texting friends back, like I was overwhelmed by socializing. Um, also Pippa had camp, her first day of camp was two weeks ago, and this is right before I got back on Zoloft, or no, this was three weeks ago, oh my god, it's all blur, uh, pandemic time, every day is the same, it's like Groundhog Day meets 1984, what's going on, um, so Pippa's first day of camp a few weeks ago was on a Monday, and on a Sunday we were visiting my parents, and we would like hang out in the backyard and social distance, and I suddenly at like three o'clock was like, we have to go, we have to go home, because I have to get Pippa ready for camp. All I had to do was like pack her lunch, and put like her hat, and a mask, and a backpack, and then talk to her about how she had to social distance, and wear her mask. That was it. It was like I mean, we're 20 minutes of stuff max, really more like 12 minutes. But I hadn't made a lunch in a few months. And I was like, oh my god, oh my god. And I was, maybe for me, now in hindsight, getting overwhelmed by something I've done so many times. Red flag. But it just, you can't see it until you see it. Um, I have brain fog. Like, I just, like, 
I, but I, that's also easy to think because easy to explain because everything these days is different like just going to the grocery store is a completely different experience and things keep changing every week so much 2020 is the year where every week is a year so of course I had some brain fog I was also tired all the time no matter how much I slept so there were the bad nights but even like when I was sleeping well I just wasn't sleeping enough and I think partly I was exhausted and I've been like it's just an exhausting experience this pandemic but I also think maybe, you know, for me, anxiety and depression are kissing cousins. And I think there was a little depression going on because we're isolated and we're home all the time. And, uh, you know, something that really helps um, me feel like my best self is going to different places. And the places we go to are closed. Um, but I'm thinking through about how just how depressed I was. Um, I'll talk about that later. This is more on the anxiety episode. And then, okay, the final red flag was the day I thought there was a tsunami. I took Pippa and Julian to the beach, and there was fog. And it was, like, way off in the distance, this cloud. And we're, we're, we were going to be leaving pretty soon, and we'd gone back to the water, and the kids are, like, letting the water and the waves splash their feet. And I noticed that the cloud had gotten so much closer. And instead of thinking oh, hey, the fog's getting closer because it's June and June is like a really fog, like time where there's a lot of fog in at the beach we were at um, near Santa Monica. And this is where I grew up, so I know this area. Instead of thinking, oh, hi, look, there's the fog. It might get chilly. I thought, oh my God, there's a tsunami. And I didn't tell the kids tsunami. I told the kids, there's a storm. We have to go. And we were off the beach in like three minutes and I had them in the car and I was driving and I kept checking the rearview mirror and I would see the tsunami, which was actually fog, getting closer and closer. And I was getting us, there's a hill and we were driving up the hill and I like, I felt like, oh my God, this is it. This is the natural disaster movie. Can I get far enough away from the tsunami? Um, the good news is I, I can motivate my kids to get to the car really fast if there ever is a tsunami at the beach but it was fog and now I can look back and I could be like oh that was my anxiety on overtime turning fog into a tsunami I should also mention that um the day before I started Zoloft I also just quit caffeine um my caffeine intake had been creeping up and up and up and I don't think the caffeine is at all like responsible for my anxiety because I was I was, I've been doing, I've been, I have an on and off relationship with caffeine. That's another story, another episode, but, um, I, I can do caffeine and I don't, it doesn't make me have to go back on Zoloft, <laughs> but when I'm in a position where I need to take Zoloft, caffeine is just like squirting kerosene on a fire. You just don't, that you don't, that you're, you're trying to put out the fire. You don't try to put it out with kerosene. So it was like, all right, I'm off the caffeine. So I'm feeling a lot better. And I've been on the Zoloft for, I think, nine days now, or maybe ten. And for some people, it can take many, like, up to six weeks to really get the full effects. And, you know, I, I don't know how much is the caffeine and how much is the Zoloft. I, I know from past experience um, uh, that, for me, the Zoloft tends to kick in within a few days. And I really do feel like a new person. Like, I, I've woken up the past few mornings just with more energy and with, like, just a calmer sense of being. And I don't have the physical sensation of adrenaline rushing through my body. And that tapered off over the course of a few days. Um, 
it was its worst like the two days before I went on Zoloft and then the day I started Zoloft I really didn't notice anything good like any improvement but then the next day instead of like these hour-long several hour-long adrenaline bouts they were just like 15 or 30 minutes and then the next day they were more like five minutes and then they were kind of gone and it was they were gone and I haven't had them and that's amazing oh my gosh I will stay on Zola for the whole pan pandemic if I have to that is fine um I also should mention that as I went on Zoloft, I was at the end of my menstrual cycle. So I did consider like, should I like tough this out? Because I've had PMS before and it's just bad for a day. Um, and I've been joking with friends and how pandemic PMS is just like something like a whole new thing. But it, it just was way beyond anything I've ever experienced with PMS. Um, and also, right now, today is day 34 of my cycle. So I thought I was about to get my period when I started Zoloft, and that I was on the verge of, like, exiting PMS, but here I am, still waiting, and wondering, did I start perimenopause during the pandemic? I don't know. I'm 41. It seems a little early for perimenopause, but... Um, People do start this young. So, you know, hopefully the next time I record an episode, I'll be like, it's day four, yay. But, you know, maybe it's going to be like day 43 next time I do this. I don't know. Um, so my intuition's telling me to just keep off the caffeine. I don't even feel tempted to have any and to keep taking the Zoloft. And I most, I, I smile every morning when I pick, take the bottle off the shelf and get my pill ready. Um... And, you know, I wrote some other notes about things to talk about, but I feel like I've been talking for, like, over a half hour here, and that might be time to wrap this up. Um, this will be, I know I'm going to be working with my anxiety now, like, going forward. My therapist told me that, I mean, first off, I keep hearing from, like, my therapist and my psychiatrist and other people that so many people have had to, like, increase their medication, so I need to stop beating myself up about that. But that also pretty much everyone is having anxiety but we're all dealing with it differently and I could have I've in the past when I had anxiety I ate and I ate everything and I haven't been doing that during the pandemic so you know maybe Zoloft is for me a healthier way to handle my anxiety so you know um but I, I'm and my therapist told me so now that you're on Zoloft you're in a place where you can continue to work with your anxiety and in a more productive way because I was really at a crisis point like when I started and I wasn't in a position to be able to like learn new coping you know like taking deep breaths are great when you're in like a mild situation but I was just I was beyond breathing I was beyond meditation but now I'm in a place where I can continue to do the work I was doing and you know being on Zoloft um it will is going to force me to look a little deeper at um, whatever feelings I have around taking the medication and whatever feelings I have around having mental health. Um, I don't like to say issues, but just that mental health is my thing, that I get anxious. You know, another doctor of mine, my naturopath, um, God, I feel like I'm just mentioning like 800 doctors during this episode, but she told me like everyone has their thing and some people, you know, get 
are just have like sensitive skin and they get rashes really easily and some people have like all these extreme digestive issues and some people get uh, migraine headaches and like there's just so many different things that people get and that she's like and you happen to have your mood is sensitive to um you're like your hormones and just to life and that's just your thing and i want to get more comfortable with this thing because i used to be a person i mean in college when I, I, th I first worked with a therapist very briefly in college, and I felt a lot of shame about that. And I've come a long way, but I think there is still some shame for me to shed some light on. And there's some work for me to do. There's plenty of work for me to do. I know there's work for me to do in my life, but I thought I really had the anxiety piece of my life conquered. And now I can see like, oh, no, there's whole new layers to, um, to work on. And I'm actually excited about the work. Um, my therapist suggested um, it might be time for me to reread some Brene Brown, uh, like The Gifts of Imperfection. I haven't read that in a few years, so I gotta go see if I still have my copy of that and give that a reread and work on like shame and imperfectionism. And um, I've been working on some other things that I'll talk about in future episodes. And I'm going to wrap this up because I want to have some ice cream now. And sometimes ice cream during a pandemic is the best type of self-care. Um, thank you for listening to this first episode. Um, it's so exciting to be here and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts that helps spread the word. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My 40s. You can reach me through my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com, or on Instagram at Courtney.Novak. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week.